Welcome to another episode of Today's Tick. My name is Trent Scheidecker. I'm a chiropractor and I'm also an advocate for chiropractors who locate, analyze, and facilitate the correction of vertebral subluxation for the better expression of the body's innate intelligence. Each week we like to study in an inspiring principle, question, or chiropractor to help you acquire today's philosophy, science, and art of chiropractic. Thanks for investing your time with us as a student of chiropractic. Now let the class begin. And we are recording. So okay. I am here with Joe D'Onofrio. And is it Joe D'Onofrio Sr.? Because I know you have a son named Joe. Yes, I have a son with the same name. He's same been name? He's been cursed with the same name. So everybody, everybody who dislikes me also dislikes him. Even though they've never met either of us. <laughs> That's fine. I had an older brother that was... Uh, cursing my last name, so I understand how how that can go. So, um, <laughs> welcome. It is a uh, cold day for both of us. And uh, Joe, you're coming from New Jersey, and it's Paramus, New Jersey. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And I'm coming from uh, Woodbury, Minnesota, and it's negative fifty out today. And we are both inside, and we're going to heat the conversation up. And we're going to focus on the topic that uh, Joe knows best. And I asked him to participate in this Q&A today on the chiropractic orientation. But before we go live on the chiropractic orientation, I just want to uh, give you a plug, man. You've been in practice for over 50 years and you're still practicing. Yes. How do you feel? How does, how does that feel? It's, it's, it's a wonderful part-time job. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I I spent a big portion of that 50 years seeing four or 500 patients a day, three days a week. Uh, and that was fun. I was much younger and uh, probably a little stronger. But now I'm kind of semi-retired. I just take care of these folks who have been coming in for 30, 40, 50 years. They are closer to me than they are to their own brothers and sisters because they see me more often. They re you rarely see your brother and sister once a week, but they see me once a week for 30 years, 40 years. I know everything about them. I know their family lives. So it's, it's just kind of a matter of opening the office. I, I practice in a home office, which is a very common thing to do in the Northeast. And I just go in there and open my, open the door and put the lights and the heat on. And a bunch of friends come in. I check their spines. We catch up a little bit on how things are going. And uh, they leave behind some money in my box. And I use that to spend and buy things that I want. And life is great. Uh, I couldn't picture not doing it. So I always, my wife often, often says, you know, are you ever going to retire? I said, no, why should I? I can take off whenever I want. If she wants to go on a trip, she wants to go away, we go away. Uh, no problem. <laughs> it's just a wonderful lifestyle. I love the way it is. Uh, it's not hard work. It's very rewarding work. Good things happen to people who are regularly unsubluxated. <laughs> 
and I actually get a chance to, to watch these unsubstantiated people play their lives out and 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 enjoy all the benefits of unsubstantiatedness, if I can coin a word. That's amazing. You know, there's a quote that says, do what's hard now and your life will be easier later. Do what's easy now and your life yes. will be harder yes. later. And you mentioned that your practice is easy after 50 years of, uh, of, of practicing. Let me, let me throw you a big question before we jump into the chiropractic orientation. What has been your biggest challenge as, uh, as a chiropractor and, and, you know, as a challenge in practice, as a challenge as being a chiropractor? I mean, it's an open-ended question for you to uh, go ahead and steal the the microphone. So what has it been to led you to have this easy practice later? Because I'm assuming you conquered it. I'm just, I'm just a very simplistic kind of person. Uh, I, I, when, when I was in chiropractic college, I I had a, a good friend who was, who had returned to college after being out of college for about 10 years. And he kind of adopted me uh, as a study partner. And he used to love, every time we'd have a big, t- a big test on biochemistry or, or some technical thing, he used to love to come over to my house because he says, you know, you're amazing. You take a whole semester's worth of work and you got three pages worth of notes. He says, I can remember three pages worth of notes. But I look at my, my notebook, he says, and my notebook, I've got 70 or 80 pages of notes. I can't remember all that stuff. But you'd reduce it down to these nice, concise little things. And I memorize those three pages of notes. And I go in there and I get good grades. So I love to study with you. He says, you've got a knack for simplifying things. And that really is the story of my life. I've always, always been able to simplify things. And, and my practice is really simple. Uh, patients come in, I check their spine. There was a time I spent probably 20 years taking x-rays in my office. And then I got so good at palpation because, you know, once you start palpating four or 500 people a day, you don't need x-rays anymore to look for listings. You know what the listings are, you know? Yeah. So I, I thought, this is, this is immoral. I'm exposing people to x-rays, they don't even need them. You know, I can do without them. So I got rid of the x-ray machine. So people come in, I check their spine, I palpate their spine, I use, I use uh, uh, what's called AMP, Advanced Motion Palpation. Uh, it's taught by a number of people around the, around the, uh, the country. Uh, there's a fellow here in the Northeast who teaches it, uh, that's Spano. Yep, yep. Uh, Nick and I have had many conversations, yes, uh-huh. yes. Yeah, and, and it's a great, dynamic, vitalistic way to examine the spine. Uh, of course, it doesn't tell you whether there's a, a fractured bone or, or, or spinal cancer, but it does tell you the listing of the, of the vertebra. And what I like best, I guess, about it is that it was created by and discovered by and put together by Reggie Gold, my, my very best mentor and a guy I love dearly. Uh, and I miss him every day in case he's listening. Yes, he is. But but keeping things simple, I think. You know, I, I watch I watch some chiropractors make their practice so complex, and I get the impression they're just doing that to justify their high fees. 
You know, if you're charging 300 hours a visit, you got to do something with the patients for 300 hours. So they tend to keep the patient in the office long periods of time, and they, they wiggle their ears and pull their toes and stick their fingers up their nose, you know, and do all sorts of weird things in the name of chiropractic. And they create their own problems because the patient, after one or two visits of doing that sort of thing, realizes they're being taken. And they simply don't come back. My patients love coming to me. They come in, they're here for one, two, three minutes, and they leave. You know, and we keep it simple. Being, being if you want to see somebody in a long term, you got to keep it simple. And have you been simple in practice for the last 50 years? What's have that? You simply been, have you simply been practicing just chiropractic for the last 50 years for our audience to, to, yes. to fill yeah. in the gap? That's all I do. do I check the spines, look for vertebral subluxation. If I, if I know the contraindication to an adjustment, I will certainly look uh, that and, and tell the patient that maybe they want to get that checked out before I adjust them. But other than that, I don't make any decisions that are chiropractic decisions. That decision, that contraindication decision, that's really a medical decision. Now, I don't generally do medical stuff, but if somebody's life is in danger, I think you have an obligation to tell them, your life may be in danger. Uh, why don't you go see somebody and do something about it? Who should I see? Well, my choice of who was me would be an MD. <laughs> you know? yeah. it's, but the, the choice is up to you. Anyhow. So you you got this simple practice you've been practicing for 50 years, and maybe we have a follow-up conversation at a later date about uh, the payment structure, And but let's not go there today uh, okay. because I feel like I, we haven't even touched upon the topic that I want to open up here. You have this simple practice, and, and but simplicity takes work to make happen. So let's, let's open up the, the box on uh, the chiropractic orientation because I do feel like Having okay. a chiropractic orientation allows you to have a simple practice. So for all the ears that are on this right now that don't even know what the chiropractic orientation is, what is it to Joe D'Onofrio Sr.? What, what, what is a chiropractic orientation? Okay, that was the first visit that we described. The second visit, I tell them to come back with their spouse. Now, this is the key. With their spouse, their significant other or fiancé, uh, or mother, or best friend, somebody. In that one little fell swoop, you just double the size of your practice. Because okay. instead of one new patient, you're going to get two, because they're going to come back for the orientation. And if your orientation doesn't inspire people to say, Yahoo, I sure do want to get my spine checked. Hurry up, I've waited too long already. If it doesn't do that to people, then you're doing a terrible orientation. You got to put together the very best talk on chiropractic that you can possibly do. You'll start out being fairly good. And if you do it long enough, you'll get better and better and better and eventually become very good. The orientation is really a description of what is chiropractic. We talk about innate intelligence. What is innate? Uh, I also use it interchangeably with the word life force. Uh, for the average lay person, I think it gives it a little better perspective. 
it ain't nice, and I know it's our word, but life force works really well in this this sort of situation. We talk about the spine, the form forming of the spine, life force uh, going to the various organs, glands, and tissues enabling them to work in a coordinated way with all the other glands, organs, and tissues. And that's really what health is. Health is coordinated function. Everything working together. It is not feeling good. You can feel wonderful and drop dead. Or you can feel terrible and look to be 114. So we talk about vertebral subluxation and how it interferes with the flow of life, how it interferes with innate intelligence and the coordination of the body. And when it interferes with the coordination of the body, the body doesn't work right. It may get sick, it may not get sick, it may have symptoms, it may not have symptoms. None of that matters. All that matters is as soon as the vertebral subluxation, this is a matter of scientific absolute fact. As soon as the vertebral subluxation occurs, something changes in that nerve that affects how that nerve works. When the nerve, which is the master controller, doesn't work right, so too does that organ, gland, or tissue that it controls not work right. Now, whether it becomes a nameable disease, whether you have uh, definable symptoms, is totally irrelevant. What's relevant is that vertebral subluxation always is negative, always is bad, always does damage. And when you have a variable subluxation, you want to correct it as quickly as you possibly can. <clears throat> we, we take the opportunity now that we have a captive audience, and you're going to try and put all this information to about 35, maybe 40 minutes. The orientation should not be extraordinarily long because you will lose the patient's interest. So it's got to, it's got to be a really interesting orientation uh, that, that again, makes them want to stand up and go, wahoo, I love it. When can we start? And do you use visuals during your orientation or in, in your past orientations when you were growing your practice? Say that again. Visuals? Did you use visuals? To, yeah, to I use magic markers and a, and a big pad. Uh, or that's why I asked. There are there are, there are tech, technologically well versed people who uh, are who have put together uh, oh what's it called on on the uh, anyway on a computer put together visual aids and I guess they're all okay. what's that yes and and I guess they're fine. If they help you to explain your position, depends on what you're comfortable with. For me, technology scares the living hell out of me. And I, I don't have a good command of it and a good control over it. So I'm perfectly happy just using my little pad and my magic markers. I've stepped up to bright colored magic markers. <laughs> Did you, I, I've seen you do this orientation multiple times. And for those who haven't seen it, um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get something out there. Yeah, we'll get something shared here so everyone can see a visual of it here. But uh, did you did you come up with the simplification of uh, of the human body and the brain and the spinal cord? 
or did did, your, did Reggie teach you this, or was this something Joel Strauss was doing in practice? Where did this come no, from? Actually, actually, give the audience a little background. Actually, it came from my cousin. My cousin okay. was a chiropractor before me, and he got me interested in being a chiropractor. And he was doing orientation lectures because he knew Reggie too, and he was a friend of Reggie's. He was doing orientation lectures way back when I was in college. I was in chiropractic college. And I used to go watch him, and it was just so simple. And so together, uh, I asked him one night, I said, you mind if I use that? He said, nah, go ahead. Do whatever you want. So I took bits and pieces of his orientation, and then I took some of Joe Felicia's or, uh, orientation. I don't know if anybody knows Joe Felicia. You know what I'm We'll see you there for a second. Yeah, here, hold on, because we can, we can uh, we're still recording, so... Let's uh, let's uh, back up just one notch here. So your cousin filled you in on the on the drawing. My cousin used to give orientation lectures, and he got me interested in chiropractic because he was so successful. I looked at him; he's working three days a week. He's seeing a couple of hundred people a day, driving a Cadillac. On his days off, he's playing golf. I'm figuring this is not a bad way to live. That's how I got interested in chiropractic. But he was a straight chiropractor and he, he used the orientation and uh, the orientation is the basis for success. Uh, when I tell people to use it, I mean use it, use it in every way you can. It's not only for new patients. Uh, you can drum up business around town, make yourself available to the local high school on career day, make yourself available to the Lions Club and then the, uh, uh, the Rotary Club as entertainment when they have their lunches and dinners and breakfasts and go in there and do a quickie orientation, pair yours down from maybe 40 minutes, pair it down to maybe 20 minutes. And you go in there and do an orientation, tell them a little bit about you and welcome them to your office to come and get their spines checked. And this becomes marketing now. Uh, there's all sorts of things you can do with a good orientation. And what it does is it prepares you. A good orientation is made from all the questions I've ever been asked by every patient I've ever had. I want to answer everything. I want to, in that, in that half hour, 40 minutes, I want to answer everything so that when they come in next visit, I can check their spine and have them out of there in two minutes instead of answering endless rounds of questions. If, if a patient has constantly questions, they weren't listening during the orientation. You should, have, you should have covered all of that. Once they cover all of that, you already answered the questions before they even had the questions. You've answered them. You now have a much healthier way of dealing with that patient. And it's easy enough to say to the patient, uh, if they do ask a question, you say, hey, remember on, on orientation night when I told you this, and then we said, this is what happens? Well, that's the answer to your question. This is what happens. What do you think the biggest game changer question is that you can answer during the chiropractic orientation? What's the question that you tried to answer or you were answering during your busy times of delivering these orientations? What was the best question that you could answer to provide a better attention on your client to understanding the big idea behind chiropractic? Why do I have to come so regularly? Why do I have to come the rest of my life? Those are the big questions. 
And if you can overcome them and answer them satisfactorily and honestly, you just made a patient for life. What I always wanted to do was to get in practice and get to the point where I didn't need new patients anymore. Going out and hustling new patients was such a pain in the rear. I hated it. I hated doing it. And I really believe that anybody else who does marketing hates it. They do it because they have to, but they really do hate it. So why not create a practice that no longer needed marketing? Whatever new patients I get come directly from referral from the patients I'm, I'm already taken care of. They're marketing for me. My patients market for me. <clears throat> That's their job. That's part of the way they pay me. They pay me by paying, putting money in the box, but they also pay me by telling other people about chiropractic. Now, and, and, and I go even further, they not only have to tell them about chiropractic and me, they can tell them about chiropractic and I'll get them the name of somebody in their town that they can go to. So I, I never felt like it was, it was all about me. It's, it's all about chiropractic. It's about changing people's lives and changing the world. If, that is, if you could, how long do I have to come and why do I have to come so frequently? So we explain the model of the spine and I show them a subluxation. And I tell them how the muscles, ligaments, and tendons tend to go back to their old position and pattern and retrain that spine to hold, to hold in place. Once it holds, then we just check it on a weekly basis to make sure it's holding. If it's not, we adjust it before the damage happens. Okay, than- I was about to ask you what your answer was. That's the perfect answer. And... Uh, and, and so what you're saying is due to life stressors, uh, constantly uh, combating the spine and our overall right. body, there's always that opportunity for the subluxation yes. to exist. Yes. And like uh, like my yes. friend Mark Romano said, the most important visit is the next visit because that's when you're getting checked uh, and that's when you'll realize whether or not you're holding right. or whether or not you need to right. be adjusted. Right. That's great, Joe. Reggie, Reggie used to put it this way. Because when you go home, you're going to do the same damn stupid things you did to subluxate the first time. And I can't come home with you and follow you around and tell you, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. So the next best thing to do is check you once a week. Now, I thought that was a great answer. But then all of Reggie's answers were a great answer. He was a, a man of uh, many words and had uh, much thought behind his words. He didn't just say stuff just to say it. Yes. Uh, I also add on top of that, you do the same stressors, but if you continue to come in on a weekly basis, hopefully you can continue to do the same stress and the stress won't beat you up as bad. You know, part of being under chiropractic care is so you can adapt to that stress. You're adapting so, better. Again, health is adaptation. It's not feeling good. It's not even being healthy. It's not even being free of disease. It is adaptation. If you're adapting, you're going to survive. And if you're not, you're not going to survive. It's really that simple. So it's all about, and I make, the ori- I make my orientation very much about life and death. If you walk around constantly subluxated, you're going to die sooner than you have to. If you walk around constantly unsubluxated, you're going to live longer. It's that simple because your body's going to adapt better. 
if you uh, if you could go back 50 years, and this may be a stretch to you, but I'm going to ask this for every chiropractor I have a conversation with on this podcast. If you could go back to the very beginning and you're just putting your keys in the door to open up your practice, what's the one bit of advice that you would give to the students nowadays who are about to open up their practice or even let's just say they haven't opened yet and they're about to open, what's the one advice you would give to them looking back saying, hey, these are my words of wisdom that I want to share with you. Take it or leave it. Small office. Don't put Picasso's on the wall. You're not impressing anybody. Keep your overhead as low as possible because that will determine your level of success. The faster you get to the point where you're putting money in your pocket instead of somebody else's pocket, the faster you become successful. And keep it simple. Don't make it complex. Don't, Don't try and turn it into something it isn't. You're not an MD. You don't have all those fancy words to work with. You're a chiropractor. Be a chiropractor. Keep it simple. Keep it that old KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. That would be the biggest advice I can give. Them. People go out. They they, they rent uh, five thousand square foot offices, which then become just a monument to their ego. And albatross around their around their neck, you know, just bringing them down. No matter how many people they get in, they got to charge more and more and more to pay all those expenses. So I, my first office, I got I got up to my first office, which was another home office on the other side of the same town I'm in right now, uh, was uh, three hundred and ninety square feet. It had a waiting room with six seats in it, one adjusting room, and one slightly larger room where I would interview new patients and give orientations. Those three rooms came to 390 square feet, and I worked up to 120 patients a day in that office. The reason I had a little bit, I would have stayed there forever because it was so cheap. I was making I was making money hand over fist in net profit. Net profit's the important number there. I don't care how much you gross. It's what you put in your pocket that matters. I was I was doing really, really well. But the problem was I had no on-site parking. So people were parking on the street and my neighbors were getting really angry. They would call the police every night because there'd be Dozens and dozens of cars parked all over the street. Unfortunately, people don't watch what they're doing, so they were blocking driveways and parking on people's lawns, and that did not make me one of the favorites in the neighborhood. So eventually, the police put enough pressure on me that I had to move because they told me they were going to put no parking signs up that, up and down the street if I didn't if I didn't move on. So I decided to go look for another house and. We moved on. And it was a good thing because this was a much bigger office. And we went from 120 a day to 420 a day. But even now, that, that, office, that office where I'm seeing, uh, where I was seeing, I don't do that anymore. I see about 150 a week now uh, because I'm taking, I'm taking life easy and I'm old and fat. <laughs> but, well, 
that that same office is only a thousand square feet. That's the entire office. That includes the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. So been practicing out of eight hundred square feet for square, the last eight years. Yeah. I mean, if you can see yeah. a thousand square feet, you can see uh, 13, 1,500 patient visits a week. You're going to do just fine, man. I don't care if they're paying you two dollars. You're going to do just fine. Yeah, I I didn't know how in detail we were going to get today in today's conversation, but it it didn't need any more than what you gave because you kept it so simple uh, that I took so much away from it just to revisit during my orientations that I give in practice. So I applaud you for still having that uh, capability of keeping your conversation on point. And uh, I know that there's going to be a lot of people that listen to this that are going to appreciate the simplification that you just gave for the chiropractic orientation. So I, uh, again, thank you for being a part of the profession and thank you for being uh, my friend over the past four years uh, plus we've known each other for longer than four years but You're specifically welcome. the last four I really appreciate the the words of encouragement that you've given me and uh, just you know keep practicing we want to get that 50 up there because I guarantee there's not too many chiropractors out there that can say they've been actively seeing uh, practice members for over 50 years so uh, I give you a standing uh, a, a round of applause for that thank you Thank yeah, and, and well, I love doing this. And now that I realize how easy this Zoom thing is, we can do this once a week. <laughs> I'd be very yeah. happy. Yes, yeah, yes, we will get you back. I'm more than happy to help out and give everybody my opinion. I have never been shy about giving my opinion to people, which is one of the reasons a lot of people don't like me. But that's okay. I didn't come in this world to be liked. I came in this world to do something meaningful. Just like you, and you're doing something meaningful up there. Cairo Way is a wonderful idea. Thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, I'm going to take you up on your uh, words. Everyone heard it. I'm going to get you back on this Zoom uh, call so that we can do another podcast. And I think I have an idea of where we can take the next conversation. So, Joe, thank cool. you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank stay you. warm. Yes. yes and me too. Uh, all right. Thanks, Joe. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know what you enjoyed with it by tagging us at Today's Tick on social media. This is your first episode. Please subscribe. Leave us a review. Reviews help us spread the message about chiropractic and the location analysis and correction of vertebral subluxation. Share this episode with your friends, classmates, and colleagues and be a champion, be a hero, and send them this episode. You never know how far reaching something you think, say, or do today will affect the lives of millions tomorrow. BJ Palmer. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next episode. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, mitigate, or prescribe the use of any technique as a form of treatment for any physical condition, symptoms, or diseases. Directly consult with a qualified healthcare professional for any chiropractic or medical advice. And in addition to the benefits of chiropractic care, one should also be aware of the existence of some risk 
Risk associated with chiropractic care may include soreness, musculoskeletal sprain, strain, and fracture. In addition, there have been reported cases of stroke associated with chiropractic care. Research and scientific evidence do not establish a cause and effect relationship between chiropractic care and the occurrence of stroke. Rather, studies indicate that people may be consulting chiropractors when they are in the early states of a stroke. In essence, there is a stroke already in process. However, you are being informed of this reported risk.